You know, it's funny. This reminds me of a joke. See, there were two guys locked in a lunatic asylum. And one night, one night they decided they didn't like that anymore. They decided to escape. So they made it up to the roof, and there, just across this narrow gap, they see rooftops stretching across town, stretching to freedom. Now the first guy, he jumps right across no problem, but his friend, oh, no way, he's afraid of falling. So the first guy, he has an idea. He says, hey, I got this flashlight with me. I'll shine it across the gap between the buildings, and you can walk across the beam and join me. But the second guy says, what do you think I am, crazy? You just turn it off when I'm halfway across. <laughs> oh, <laughs> excuse me. Checking out the one best podcast. I am your host, Andrew Karachi, alongside Andrew Quimby. And we have a special guest in today, uh, fresh out of the Arby's bathroom. Uh, who is this again? This is, uh, it's Robert Roth from uh, apparently the Pinfall Wrap Up. Uh, <laughs> and the, exist anymore. <laughs> and the original, <laughs> the original backcast. Version one. Version one, yeah. Um, I guess this is weird because normally I say, what do we have in store tonight? Now, I don't know who's going to talk when I say that. So I'm just going to live it up for you guys. What do we have in store tonight? Well, tonight we're going to be... Let's say Mr. Quimby. I was going to say like that. It's all all you. (laughs) It's a train wreck. It's a train wreck again. Tonight we're going to be discussing... The Killing Joke. Just that? The animated movie or the comic? The animated Batman, the animated movie, The Killing Joke. Literally, you could just call it either or. I'd like to add in that we're also going to be reviewing the 30-minute separate film preceding The Killing Joke. The Batgirl story. What should we call it? The Batgirl story, which was clearly a separate separate entity. Just the Batgirl story. So this movie has been, um, it's been ranked on a lot of people's uh, worst DC animated movie ever list. Uh, one of the guys, uh, one of the guys that I listen to usually, he says it's by far the worst DC animated movie ever. But then again, he also thinks Justice League Dark's one of the best ones. So that's another podcast. <laughs> Ooh, we should but, review that because I want I want to defend that movie against you. I've never Justice seen it, League but Dark? I, yeah, the movie's garbage. Exactly. I don't, I, watch, I don't know if I could watch that again. Like uh, <laughs> Justice League Dark compared to Batman and Robin, I kind of put it almost on the same uh, pedestal because I was expecting something from Justice League Dark. Like I was expecting something good, and we just got Batman fighting poop, and that was like. Ugh. I, I don't know. No, no, I'm not going to talk about that movie right now. Anyways, to check out the podcast, obviously, you 
found it because you're listening to it, but to tell your friends, you can find it on Apple. You can find it on iTunes, which is the same thing. You can find it on Spotify. Just search one best podcast, or you can search backcast with parentheses, right? That's how you can find it too. Or one best podcast in parentheses. If you're going to find it on Spotify. It's one best podcast. You search one best podcast backcast and it comes up. Okay, so one best bod- podcast, <laughs> one best podcast backcast. You can find you can find us on Spotify. We're on Stitcher. We're on any major uh, any major podcast app. To contact the show, you could uh, search us on Facebook. Search backcast. It's now just called one best podcast backcast. Now it's not called uh, backcast weekly anymore. Actually, I lied. It's still called Batcast Weekly. It wouldn't let me change it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> nice. nice. We have a Twitter. Uh, this it's got a we weird have a handle. Twitter? It's we do. It's called Pinfall Wrap Up. It's a weird handle. I know it's weird, but um, if you search Pinfall Wrap Up, you'll find Batcast because that makes sense. Um, but. Clearly, it was used for something else at some point. I wonder what it was. Uh, and then you could, those are the best ways to contact us. Or you can email us at onebestpodcast at gmail.com, where Andrew is always searching through the emails, reading all the emails, not just the ones he feels like oh, he's God. reading. So, <laughs> Andrew, do we have any emails? We have received no emails. Huh. You sure about that? Nobody (laughs) emailed. Yes. Okay. Uh, Rob's kind of marking out over there. But (laughs) the, uh, yeah, you can listen to, listen to the emails. You can email us there. We will read your email if Andrew decides it's worth reading. And. Hey, I read. The basically the Nigerian scammer email. So that's very I'll, true. I, I will read emails. So if you want to just email us and talk to us about Texas toast, we'll talk about Texas toast. Pretty much it's all up to you guys, whatever you want us to do. Uh, anything else I missed? Okay, I, I guess not. So move, <laughs> moving on. Yes. Batman the Killing Joke. Now, there was a 30-minute filler episode because originally the the comic's only 60 pages long, so the movie would have only been probably 30 or 40 minutes if they tried to stretch it out. So instead of trying to stretch it out and adding stuff to it, they decide to put this prequel, like, kind of a... It has nothing to do with the Killing Joke. It's just... I've always looked at it as an episode of the animated series. So we'll just call it the Batgirl episode or the Batgirl, why she quit being Batgirl episode. And I got to say, I liked it. Um, I know a lot of people dislike it. And this is what, this is the reason why people dislike the bat, the killing joke. But I actually think this is a pretty strong animated series episode. What do you think, Andrew? Yeah, it's it's yeah, because that's weird. Because honestly, I think I enjoyed the first half hour episode thing more than I enjoyed the, <laughs> the end of the movie. It just I don't know. I, I it was a very is it actually had an interesting story, and then like the villain guy, the what is it, Paris Franz? Great name, by the way. Like, 
which Batman even was like, oh, he's he's actually like he's the unique mix of like what did he say like sociopath and narcissistic that's incredibly dangerous. Yeah, because he's not scared. He's not mm-hmm. scared of the vigilantes. Yep. Rob, what'd you think of the Batgirl episode? I thought they did a great job with it. I mean, it 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 was a very modern story compared to the Killing Joke. Obviously, the Killing Joke, I believe, came out in the '80s, correct? Like correct. The, the comic itself. So, I mean, there were story elements that were a lot older in the Killing Joke. This was a this was a modern take, but it did a great job introducing. Batgirl, so if you weren't familiar with everything going into it, and this being a Batman story, if you weren't familiar with some of the backstory of it, this is a good way to catch you up. So that's what I liked about it. If you were new to all of this and you wanted to get into it, this is a good way to get you where you need to be to actually enjoy the killing joke fully. So I I liked it from that standpoint. Um, I, I, I could have done without like the, you know, the Batman, Batgirl, the love stuff, but it is what it is. They had to kind of cram that in there. But other than that's that, that's a Bruce like, Tim thing. That that's something yeah, that Bruce Tim that, has been. He always teased it through the animated series that there was either a fling or something that happened between the two. Yeah. Or Barbara always had a crush on Batman. I mean, that's it's normal. I mean, why wouldn't she? It's fucking Batman. But like, yeah, um, I guess it's normal. And I See, I is, thought the like, I thought the way they handled that though was. Better than I think people keep saying, like, yeah, they had their whole little uh, bat bang session on the rooftop. But yeah, uh, I felt like the way it was treated after the fact was done very well. Like the fact that it it was treated like it was a mistake. They, so they weren't like trying to like shove it like as the viewer saying like, oh, we're going to put these two together and they're going to be a bat couple. That's not what happened. And these idiots online that keep saying, oh, they're demeaning women, blah, blah, shut up. Like, like you read comic books. Like that's that's your number one concern right now. But that sounded bad. But <laughs> damn, there goes the listener oh. base. Good luck with your show. <laughs> <laughs> wow, signing out. <laughs> no, but um, no, this is the stuff I read. They they really dislike the this story because first of all they call it bat cest which isn't really a thing i don't think bat cest bat cest yeah so it's incest with bats got it you want to right or bat family incest a a lot of people view it this way that bat girl is pretty much like his daughter robin it's his son and uh what's her face uh the cat cat woman is his wife. That's that's how I think a lot of people view like that entire like that that whole situation. So for him to sleep with Batgirl and he's Batman, like that that's kind of like a father sleeping with his daughter. I think that's just kind of the that's how people take it on the surface. Obviously, if you know the comics and everything, you you know that to not be that way. But yeah. on the surface, that's where that's where that comes from. So it I don't know cuz even sense per se even in the even in the whole th- everything they showed us in this like everything they showed or whatever it's not like they like show that they had like a really deep relationship or anything like ha- most of the time Batman just treated her like a semi useful associate the entire time he didn't even like go out of his way to be like nice or anything to her he she just kind of like 
It was more like she showed up and he's like, fine, you can stay just because you won't, you're mildly useful. Like, he didn't even seem like he cared that she was around. So, I don't know. It's not like he was, like, treating her like a daughter or anything weird like that. I don't know. Yeah, I so don't that, think that he ever looked as, ever looks at her as a daughter because Barbara has a dad. <laughs> and Barbara is, at this point, I think she's in her mid-20s. I don't yeah, even she's think in she's college. Even, yep. Yeah, so... And Batman's probably in his 40s. So it's really not that bad when you really think about it when it comes to that type of age gap. It is, it, is a little, it is a little weird, though, if you look at it as Gordon is borderline Batman's like only friend. And True. he's basically sleeping with his friend's daughter. Yes. Like I said, uh, it's, it's, a bad, it's a bad judgment call by Batman. But it's not like Batman always makes the right call or the right decisions. And the way I saw it was, it wasn't like Batman was trying to seduce her or anything like that. It's like, she was very aggressive, and I feel like he just kind of went along with it, because that's what she needed or wanted at the time. So he's just like, okay. Yeah, because if if he didn't think it should happen, he would have stopped it. I don't know. It's right. just Okay, so, question. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw this out here for both of you just a hypothetical you both have a daughter okay each one of you have your own daughter and sure. your own daughter just starts coming on to you and she's very aggressive about it but you decide that's what she needs in that moment is that okay just a hypothetical well no because that's but, okay but, yes you're you're right you're, you're right on that but that's but that's because you're looking at it as the father daughter side like right, right he's not yeah. this isn't he's not a father figure to her she doesn't look at him as a father she's he's a teacher he's a um right she it's, it's more similar a it's a daddy it, it'd be right. it'd be more similar so to you're, like, you're, it, it'd like be more similar it'd be more similar like if you're uh you're a teenage girl and you have like a crush on Ricky Martin or something like that. Like it's more, I see it more kind of similar to that than a father daughter thing. And maybe Ricky Martin becomes your teacher to <laughs> teaches you math. I don't fucking know, but <laughs> like whatever, but I see it more similar to that type of comparison, like the celebrity status of what Batman is. Because yeah, she, made, I, she originally I, I made her, that. When she was a teenager, she had a crush on him. She made her costume after him. Mm-hmm. She didn't make a costume to be Robin. That's why her and Dick Grayson didn't work out. Well, plus Dick Grayson's a, a nerd. Just a freaking dweeb. Just a, <laughs> no, I mean, like, if you have the two of them standing next to each other, you have... Bruce Wayne there, and then you have Dick Grayson. How how the hell are you going to even remotely be attracted to Dick Dick Grayson? Like that's not even like like it's like I'm not settling for that. Well, and I, I feel like they this. I feel like they dated because he was available, and that's just kind of what you're supposed to do at that age. But he, she even said in the in the Batman Beyond movie, she even said like when you uh, her and Dick Grayson, that was just kid stuff. But she felt like she had something. She could have had something real with Bruce, but Bruce didn't want to do it. Yeah, especially when so, she was in that wheelchair. 
<laughs> Never mind. This Never was mind. <laughs> she wasn't in the wheelchair in the Batman Beyond series, but she was the commissioner. <laughs> she was probably in her late forties by Batman Beyond or fifty. I think Batman is supposed to be eighty. So sixty. I swear to God, you are so inconsistent with his age. You just throw numbers out there at like a dartboard. <laughs> I think he was 64 in this one. <laughs> Two weeks later. Uh, he was in his 70s, I believe. And Alfred no, was Batman. 106. No, and the Batman <laughs> Beyond. Like, no. no, that last week I was talking about Dark Knight Returns, which he's How 55. How old was Alfred in Batman Beyond? He was dead. He was dead by that point, but in oh. uh, in the uh, dark in the in the Batman Beyond series, I think he's somewhere between seventy five and eighty. Yes, I, I believe you're right. Oh no 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 no! Well, he was older than that, wasn't he? The, he was older than that in the Justice League version, because okay. McGinnis okay. McGinnis was in his uh, almost thirty years old, and Bruce okay. was still alive. So gotcha. Bruce was like gotcha. in his nineties. He was living literally off of like just medication. Yes, yes. You're right. You're right. Yep. So, I guess... Uh, see, I always pegged him at, like, early 70s in the Batman Beyond series. But I've heard he's, like, 80. I've heard... I think 80's too old, though. Um, I mean, Terry, though, was, like, early he was 20s, a teenager. right? Late teens, early 20s in the... He wasn't, even in, in... he wasn't even in his 20s in the Batman Beyond series. He was in high school. Okay. Because he was uh, the Batman Beyond character for three years before Joker so showed up. Then he'd be in his mid seventies ish. Yeah, that's what I'm Beyond. thinking. Like he'd right. be somewhere yeah. like uh, early to mid seventies. Which by still the... makes him too old to be with Batgirl, right. regardless. So. Well, yeah, if he's seventy <laughs> and she's like twenty, yeah, that would make him way too old. But Seven, like he's seventy-five and she's like forty-nine or whatever. Is that really that bad? I mean, it still it honestly there, sounds I mean. worse. It does actually. <laughs> <laughs> Let me go sleep with my grandpa. Wait, why is he saying that? <laughs> anyway, uh, where do you? think the biggest issue comes from with like fans response to that movie do you think it's purely based on the first half hour that standalone yes. thing yes. i think that's where it comes from completely yes like, I, 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 think, I think i think people dislike that and i don't think it's all about the whole bat cess thing i think um a lot of it comes from how she reacted after the fact because she says a line in the movie that a lot of people had a problem with where she said the line, it's just sex, it doesn't have to mean anything. And that, that just like pissed off a lot of the, the what do they call the uh, millennials that watch this shit. The, the cancel culture, which didn't exist back then when this movie started, but we'll call it that now, because that's what it is. It's, 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 a, it's a culture that's always existed, now it just has a name. Right, now, now it has a name. So I feel um, like th- if this movie would have came out last year, it would have been like removed from the shelves or something like that, or be removed from Twitter or something stupid like that. Why do they have a problem with that line? What's wrong with that line? Because they say it, it, it's demeaning towards women. 
and you're making Barbara Gordon like not care about th- that, you know, those types of actions or something like that. Isn't that the whole but, idea of modern like freedom of like how women are supposed to express their sexuality and stuff like that? Isn't that like that's isn't that all they go for? Like when you look at modern music and modern everything. I mean, look at that Lizzo woman, like, just all over, you know, like, everything with wearing next to nothing and all. Isn't that, like, kind of what they want? Like, isn't that female empowerment now? Well, these are the comic book nerds that are the ones that are upset. Mm. Well, those are men. So why right. are they having such a strong opinion? Oh, whatever. I don't. Because it's that, cal- that cancel culture. It's the same. Yeah. It's the same type of people that don't want to see hot women on on wrestling they want to see nia jacks wrestle like luna or whatever like they're like the same yeah. those are the same people the I, fact I just, is i thought that look, the act itself was it was a shocking thing that happened in the movie because like normally you would see batman just like not do something like that but then he yes. went along with it which makes him flawed which makes him human and the uh, the way how they treated it after the fact I thought was done very well. They didn't try to they didn't try to pair them up and make them a couple or anything weird like that. They it was like a one night thing that was a mistake, which happens in real life. Yes, and, and, and I it's think not they like, did a great job with that. And it's not like she said that line like like she actually meant it. That was her like scrambling because she realized she screwed everything up and she was just trying to say anything she could to. Right. salvage their partnership basically right because she wanted to go back to normal mm-hmm. because she i think i don't think she really wanted to be with him it was the fantasy of being with him not actually being with him yeah and i thought they did a good job with it i think that bruce tim knows how to write that style of story and i i that's why I, I agree with Andrew and I actually like this better than the killing joke. And it's because it's an original story. It's something different. Um, the killing joke is not Bruce Tim's story. It's an Alan Moore story, I believe. And so he has to go ahead and literally retell a story that's not his. So there's not going to be a lot of passion with it compared to putting this like little half hour thing. Uh, which is like an extended of the animated series, which was refreshing to see because we haven't seen an animated series episode in decades, seems like, right? Yeah, a little over a decade. Since so, we've seen like... Yeah, go ahead. I, I have a strange comparison I was thinking about here. So in the beginning of like Pixar movies, they will oftentimes do a Pixar short. And actually they've sure. released all the shorts together in compilations, but... Originally, I think before the first Toy Story, they had the whole thing with the lamp, you know, where the, yeah. the lamp was jumping and all that stuff. Later on, they had where, like, the old man was playing chess with himself and all that. And, and they were they were popular in their own right, but they were their own short stories that the creators had ideas of to try to get it out there and try to, you know, like, they, they wanted to show off something different that was completely unrelated to the main movie. So I think if they would have... If they would have released this with that being a, a just a standalone short in the beginning and made it more clear that this was a, a separate story they would have had a completely different reaction to the main film because they did a fantastic job adapting the killing joke story like it's it's almost the com it they couldn't have done a more perfect job adapting the comic to a movie 
be. It, it was damn near perfect. But if they would have taken that beginning story and just separated it somehow, like obviously they released it on disc immediately. Like that could have been something that you had the option to skip past, or you could have made it like the pre, like, uh, I don't know, like the prologue or something like you could have called it whatever prelude or whatever. They should have had a title title to it. It should have been called, it should have been called like Batgirl bangs Batman on roof or something like that. That that might be a little explicit, but yeah, you could have done literally, (laughs) you could have done literally anything to make it clear to the audience that this was a separate story because or call it, it bat banging that should have been then, the name of the episode that, that you would have even if there was criticism then you would have been able to focus that criticism on the standalone short and yeah. you would have almost had these reviewers where they would have been forced to say we absolutely despised this but as for the killing joke adaption that they had they did a great job on that. And I think you would have heard more of that because honestly, the killing joke itself, I don't understand where there could be criticism. The things that they modified with the comic versus the actual film itself, the things are so minor. There's a couple dialogue changes here and there. They updated, you know, to have modern monitors and stuff like that in a few of the scenes. Like, they're, But they're so minor, you wouldn't even notice. Whereas this was a standalone chunk of story that obviously like was a lightning rod for everyone's hate. And they could have deflected it by separating it. I actually slightly disagree on the adaptation of the killing joke. I feel like it wasn't, I mean, it was a, it was directly from the comic where they barely changed anything. And therefore I feel like, I would have much rather have something similar to how the Red Hood was, where it was like, it was that the story was the same, but it was like you're watching a movie. I feel like the Killing Joke was more like I'm watching. I'm. It, it was. It didn't even feel like a movie because the, yeah. there isn't a lot of dialogue. And but you had so comic. much more source material in the kill in uh, the Red Hood than you did the Killing Joke. Right. The Killing Joke so, was a much shorter story, so you had. So like, they could have like added kind of stuff. Said at the beginning. You had to add a beginning on, which is fine. That was where the issue was with where with the Red Hood. They had so many characters and so many baby situations going on in that story that in order for it to be a cohesive movie, you had to trim a lot out. Just for right. it to make sense as a movie, you had to trim a lot out. And when we get into the Killing Joke, I'll I'll talk about that a little bit more because I'm gonna. It's gonna be really similar to the first time when we reviewed this, where. I really have an issue with Kevin Conroy in this, but um, anyways, the back to the Batgirl story itself. Um, the The story they were telling to me was much more was very enticing, and I wanted more. Like I, I feel like this could have been stretched out to a to an actual film, kind of like how Mystery of the Batwoman was. Like this could have been an actual full on film. They just kind yeah, of forced. They could have just yeah. If they would have just extended this out, like. They literally could have just carried on from basically where they were and just skipped the bats, the rooftop scene thing and saved that for later and just carried on with him going to prison and then getting out on bail and still doing his craziness or whatever. And like his obsession with Batwoman, like, like they could have carried this story. They could have made a full movie on just the story with the Franz dude, the Paris Franz dude. He could right. have been a good, good villain for an entire movie. And like, and I he, thought had that it, Kevin, he was interesting enough. I thought that Kevin Conroy, doing this Batman was outstanding in comparison to his Batman and the killing joke. Because this is his Batman. This is the Bruce Tim Batman. 
So like it, it felt right. The whole uh, the lines he would say the 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 way he re- react to Batgirl's uh, questions. Like she said, I thought we were partners, and he said we are partners, but we're not equals. It's something that Bruce Timm's Batman would say. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I was interesting because we were in we were watching it from Bat Batwoman's perspective. Batgirl. Batgirl's perspective. I, I, it gets confusing in my brain. From Batgirl's perspective. Right. Which is interesting because you usually everything's always from Batman. You always see it from Batman's point of view. Right. It's interesting to see it from her point of view because she's got a different. She's a lot more human than Batman is. Right. So you and get you flushed, get all that emotion. Her character from. out too because she she's not. She doesn't have a big character in the animated series. She's kind of a side character. And this kind of gave her her... It's not an origin story, but it's kind of an origin story of how she quit being Batgirl. Mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah, it shows you It shows you what happened, what, what, what came apart at the end. Right. And it makes sense because in the animated series, she references something like that in the Batman Beyond series which Batman Beyond came out in 1999 and this came out obviously I think in 2017. So like the they they kept to the the Bruce Tim storyline uh, I'm going to butcher that word but cont, continuity cont, continuity or whatever <laughs> not continuity but <laughs> I'm like a 5-year-old right now. Continuity <laughs> I love it. <laughs> but you get what I'm trying to say. But, yeah, it was. Um, it, 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 yeah, they could have extended this more, and like, yeah, like, like I don't know, because I've never actually like, I've never even read a Batman comic, but I don't know, like with the, like the Killing Joke, I feel like they could have found a way to extend it without using this. Yeah, I agree. Because it's just such a different. I feel it's it's a different tone in everything to the Killing Joke version of it. like, and so like, it just. But, like I get that they wanted to tell you the backstory of like, so you get that there's a little more stakes with Batwoman or Batgirl or whatever. But it just, I don't know. They could they they could have used something else's filler that fit better with the Killing Joke story. And that's the thing in the Killing Joke comic itself, uh, Barbara Gordon as Batgirl is never even referenced. Barbara Gordon is used as a pawn in that in the Killing Joke. The story is about Jim Gordon. Joker and Batman. That's the story. Barbara's just a casualty of war. Where um, they tried to make Barbara like almost... And that's where people had issues with it. Is they tried to make Barbara like a main character in this story. And uh, literally what it was is they were trying to use the term woke. But they're trying to bring attention to the victim of the story. Because she is actual victim here. Of this entire story of the Killing Joke itself, Ooh, but it's kind. Of, I don't know. Kind of, I, I would disagree there. She's not the victim. I I feel like it's Jim Gordon. Well, yeah, she's that's tortured. that's it, it's all a yes, matter of yes, psychological torturing. Yeah, the, he's the he's the he was the point of what the Joker was doing. Barbara's the pawn, but I'm saying what Bruce Tim was trying to do is trying to give attention to someone that got shot who was allegedly raped and uh all 
all the other stuff because that's kind of glanced over in the comic itself. It's more about just torturing Jim more than actually what actually happened to Barbara. Uh, so it's just this side point like Jim Gordon in this I feel like was very meh and they almost seem like it like they almost showed him as like almost like he's going like senile or something like that in this where he's like not in the top of his game or anything like that it's kind of weird I don't know like he didn't seem like a strong character He's normally not written like one. I know that you're used to Jim Gordon from Batman Year One where he's a badass, but that's like the only version where Jim Gordon's a badass. I'm not saying he has to be a badass, but he's at least like competent. In this, it looked like he was just like borderline, like going insane crazy already before Joker even showed up. Like he was yeah. like like he was doing like his like obsessive crazy person scrapbooking thing, which I just found weird. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of weird. I wasn't sure. I'm like, I was waiting for something to come up with a scrapbook thing, and I was just like, nothing. It was just a weird moment, and I was just like, what is happening? Why is this? There was like they had a whole scene about him like scrapbooking. It was just weird. I don't know. Guy likes the scrapbooks. I don't know. Maybe that's that's more of an '80s thing, though. Yeah. Maybe that's just a part of the how the this is an older comic, and they they maybe they should have changed that for something else. Yeah, he should have been like on his Game Boy or something. On his Game Boy Color. Yeah. <laughs> his Game Boy Color, playing Donkey Kong Land too. Yeah, maybe he, maybe he should have been scrolling through scrolling through pictures on his computer or something like that. Yeah, maybe that would have seemed, it, yeah. Yeah. like seemed a little less out of place because it just seemed very. I don't know, like like I feel like they should have like I get that they were trying to be super close to the comic book and almost like Andrew said like like I feel like it needed more. It just felt like it was lacking and. I would have liked, um, now this is not what they would have liked, but I would have liked a uh, a Bruce Tim version of the killing joke. So like, like hit, almost not necessarily the story being different. The story would still be the same, but like the dialogue would be different. The, um, the animation style would might be slightly different. Like it would be like his take on it rather than going copy and pasting Alan Moore's version. Because otherwise, like, because I think Bruce Tim even said he didn't really want to do this movie. Because it's, oh, it's I not his. I understand why. I, yeah, it's not his. I mean, it was, look at the hate he got over it. I mean, <laughs> he didn't want to do. He didn't want to do it originally. It was the studio that kind of made him to do it, and Mark Hamill, because Mark Hamill really wanted to do this. Well, it was, it's Joker's strongest story. It is. It's, it easily, easily. So. Yeah. So, and I just feel like Joker, like, and usually with Joker, like, he's a lot more elegant and smooth with his words, and like, a lot more snappy and stuff like that. Like I said, that's because you're used to the Bruce Tim Joker. You're used to like it being told through animation because you said you don't read the comics. They literally took the comic and went word for word what the Joker said in it. So that's why it comes off awkward, weird, and uh, off-putting slightly because 
it's not Bruce Tim doing the writing. It's a comic book writer. Mm-hmm. So like the Joker, because every movie we've reviewed with the, with Joker in it is either Bruce Tim or something or someone from Bruce Tim's camp who wrote it. Because he has like his tree of all his guys who worked under him, like uh, that Sam Wu guy who his name was all over this Killing Joke project too. But that's the guy, his biggest thing that I think he's done by himself was the Beware the Batman and the Green Lantern show. And those shows are really good. So the, so like they know how to tell a Batman story through animation where uh, Alan Moore knows how to tell it through the comics. So when they're trying to adapt a comic into animation, it just didn't, tra- to me it didn't translate very well because it felt really robotic. I felt like I was watching an audio comic rather than animated films, except for when Mark Hamill took the stage, because Mark Hamill, to me, he he was outstanding in this. But Kevin Conrad felt like was mailing it in, even though I don't think Peter Weller again for this one. That would have been a better choice. Yes. Um, yes. I I think that this version of Batman is a colder punchier version of batman which i think would have been more mm-hmm. along those lines i feel like uh, the bruce killing Greenwood, joke batman I he feel barely like did bruce, anything in this movie i feel like well not not violence wise but i think bruce greenwood okay. his would have his would have been more along the lines yes. of if if he's so you're saying the red one, hood batman the red hood yes batman? he yeah. would he well he's a good one if uh i don't i can't think of kevin conroy says no i feel like Bruce Greenwood then becomes their go-to guy. Right. And I like I like him maybe the best. He might be my favorite animated Batman voice actor. But I don't know. Huh. You're you're on an island saying that one. <laughs> I, that's fine. That's perfectly fine. I think he did a great job. Like I well, like he's only voiced lot, he's only voiced Batman in Red Hood. Yeah. That's the only time he's ever voiced Batman. And I thought he did a great job at it too. My but favorite the, by a mile. Yeah. Right. Um, I thought the Batman that does him in the New Fifty Two series is pretty good too. Because he's uh, kind of the go-to guy they do. He comes off kind of doopy doo though. I don't know. He just kind of. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not his biggest fan, but. But my favorite. Whoever is they had Conway. in uh, Beware the Batman, I thought that was a good one though. Yeah. He was pretty good too. I don't even know who that is. I feel like he has like a Latino name. I don't. I could be wrong though, but uh, yeah. The, um, but yeah, they're uh, not going to use him again. He's uh, so low budget in comparison to the other guys. But it's because uh, Kevin Conroy did this because Mark Hamill will not do a Batman film unless Kevin Conroy's doing Batman. Because he's already said that that he'll do he'll go ahead and he'll do a an animated project if if Kevin Conroy's doing it. But if he's not doing it, then he's not going to do it because he feels like they just have chemistry and it works. Red Hood had Bender, right? Yeah, that was John DiMaggio. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. He he is probably the most underrated voice actor for Joker I've ever heard. Like I did that. I don't know where that voice came from, where that laugh came from, and everything like that. But that was very surprising. 
And at first when I saw Red Hood, I didn't like it in the beginning, but it grew on me. And then I was like, this is outstanding. Like the, the Red Hood Joker was, I thought, just as good as any Mark Hamill Joker I've seen. Have you guys, I, I can't remember, have you guys covered that one yet? Or is that Red Hood? Yeah. No, uh, we haven't. No, we haven't done Red Hood yet. Okay. okay. I think it's coming up. We're going to do it pretty soon here because we keep referencing it all the time, or I do, that we almost have to just cover it. So, because I wanted to do that one in Death in the Family, like back to back. Almost. I know you've, obviously, you've watched it. Have other Andrew, have you had a chance to watch it yet? That was like the first animated movie I watched, so I had very little context for it. And I feel like if I watched it now, I'd have a lot more. Okay. I was, okay. yeah, because I, I feel like I didn't have context for a lot of everything that was happening when I watched it the first time. And that was a while ago at this point, and we've now watched a lot more Batman. So I feel like I have a lot more context to actually appreciate it more than I did the first yes. time. Gotcha. Little, little, uh, Slightly off topic, but still on topic, as we're talking about the Joker. Um, out of all the Mark Hamill performance Jokers, Rob, which one was your favorite? Oof. That's a difficult one. Because I think it's a tie between two movies for me. It'd be Mask of the Phantasm and his performance in Return of the Joker in the Batman Beyond movie. Yes, I, I would... I would... I would almost be leaning towards that one. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit more of a darker Joker, but I do like the the lines that were written for him in Mask of the Phantasm are like iconic to me. So I don't know. To me, I go either or. But I would say like uh, if you go to Batman the Animated Series and then you uh, what what's the one where he had the guy that he called the favor in on? Uh, Joker's favor. Joker's favor. I, I, wow. And it was right there. Okay. Words <laughs> actually came out of my mouth, literally. Where what's Joker what's that episode where Joker has a favor and yeah. that, so, that guy who me, eats a cake? As weird as it is, that would almost be one of my favorite ones from him. Uh, he did a fantastic job in that one. Fantastic. What about The Laughing Fish? Do you remember that one? No, I don't. That's the one where he turned all the the fish into those laughing fish or whatever, and he was at the aquarium. Was that like a one comedic of, one, though? Was not really. He, he was. He yeah, he got eaten by the shark at the end. Yeah, but, he, he uh, like died in that one. <laughs> he just came back. He died so many times in the show. He just came back. He was just like, back again. No, that was the one where he was pushing off pencil pushers. I because they would he was like Kenny from South Park, pretty much like <laughs> die every episode. And then like he just he was back again in the asylum. I mean that like... that episode was great. Batman wrestled a freaking shark. Yes. He rode yes, a he shark did. underwater. It was great. While while being handcuffed. <laughs> now, if if that's not like if that doesn't give Batman at least seven fighting dice, I don't know what does. So Jim Gordon in The Killing Joke, um, obviously, like the take, the general take is he was senile going into this. I would tend to agree with that. That he's yeah. already losing his mind. Is that what made him a victim? Because ultimately, his victimhood in this one was also 
a pawn. He was being used as a pawn. His daughter was being used as a pawn for him. He was being used as a pawn for Batman, essentially. So Was he? Did, was this all to get of... Batman there? Because I'm not even sure about that. So Because he didn't even, like... Like, the whole thing was he was allowing Batman to run wild, but I don't know if he did all that to lure Batman there. I think he was doing it all to prove a point. It it was related to Batman either as him... Yeah. As, as a punishment... Yeah, it was related to Batman, to Batman, but I don't think that or it his was entire purpose of I don't think that whole thing was for Batman to show up. I think he expected Batman to show up at some point, but like if he didn't show up, it wasn't going to ruin the plan or he wasn't going to go back on it. But he knew. He knew that yeah. wasn't going to fly. Right. That's why he did it. Yeah. Which means he knew what he was doing going into it. He, he was able to play it out enough steps that he knew, here's what I'm going to do, and here's how this is going to play out. Do you think him going senile or them even alluding to him being, like, mentally frail made him an easier, made him more of an attractive target to Joker? Do you think that would have, like, led to things, him viewing it like, now's my time? Could be. Because is yeah, because he was... He seemed like he was, he already was halfway there, so he was just trying to push him the rest of the way to make his point. I, I don't know, but then they kind of kind of said that he didn't actually, he didn't really break Gordon at the end either anyways. No, because Gordon, Gordon was uh, pretty much what he wanted to do. Uh, there was a few things, either A, have... Uh, I think the way the Joker kind of felt like how this could play out in certain ways is get Gordon to turn on Batman because he was kind of blaming Batman for everything. The reason why Joker exists is because of Batman and Gordon always looks a blind eye to everything Batman does, even though Gordon says that he does everything by the book, but he lets literally, he says by the book, which I wish they would have changed that line. But anyways, the, um, he does everything by the book to the point where he allows a, a vigilante to run around in his town, even though the vigilante doesn't do anything by the book. Because it's not, he, he shouldn't exist. So I'm not sure, like, if that was Joker, that was Joker's point, clearly, but I don't know if that was, I don't know what he was expecting to happen. That's why yeah. the whole the whole rape thing just seems very odd because it seems unnecessary to to pr- for Joker to prove his point. So what? Yeah, like what I was what I was kind of expecting was like they had the whole fight between Batman and Joker, or whatever, and like they were standing behind the building in there. I was like expecting the police to like turn a spotlight on him and Gordon to be standing there and him to be like arrest them both. Right. Like to like show like, Oh man, he actually did like break Gordon. And I think that's what that would have been breaking Gordon. If he would have turned his back on Batman. And so I was, I was expecting that because then you would have actually, it would have felt like something actually was accomplished or there's something happened from all this because it kind of feels like we're, we're, we're pretty much, at the same place we are at the end as we were at the beginning. And that's exactly what it was. 
and that's that's kind of like my issue with the story itself like the the killing joke it's a it's an interesting take and an interesting story but that's what it is when they make it into an animated film it doesn't translate very well because there's a lot of missing things there's a lot of missing parts uh it's what what is joker really trying to accomplish which isn't really explained and other than he, his point was like if you ha- anyone has one bad day it could drive them to turn into him but then was he expecting jim gordon to just turn like go crazy and just start going on a murderous rampage like joker did when he turned when uh he went crazy after his uh maybe his wife and son died or something like that which we haven't even talked about the backstories yet or the uh, flashbacks, but the, I don't know. It's interesting because it seems like there's a lot of things missing and the story itself is supposed to be just kind of like an intro. Like to me, I always took it when I read it the first time, it was just kind of an interesting story with it, but it it wouldn't translate over to a film unless you flush things out. Like kind of like how the red hood flushed a lot of things out. Or the Dark Knight Returns when they flushed out dialogue and everything. Now I get that the re- the Killing Joke is only sixty pages in comparison to the Red Hood and the and the Dark Knight Returns, but what they did with those movies is they made them their own, where the you could read the book and you get a different story and a different take on it compared to watching the movie. It shouldn't be identical. In my eyes, at least. Maybe some people disagree, but I feel like watching this, I didn't gain anything new from reading the book. Other than Mark Hamill doing his little song number, which I liked. I don't know. It was... The song was me. And it was out of place, because, like, that's something that Bruce Timm's Joker would do. (laughs) But this Joker's yeah. much more darker and sinister that um, it, it, the song was out of place. It felt like something that Mark Hamill's Joker would do. And that's where we get into Kevin Conroy voicing Batman and how it's like, I don't, Rob, you've seen a lot more Batman movies with Kevin Conroy in it than probably Andrew has. Did he just feel out of place in this? Um, it, It's... It's difficult because, again, you have to take into account you did have the Kevin Conroy traditional Batman going into this. So for a while, I mean, it, it was a little bit difficult to differentiate like the the two because you're watching them butt up with one another. Um, by the end of it, yes, he did feel out of place to an extent, but... Well, you've seen the animated so. series. You've seen, you've seen, like, obviously you've seen justice league and you've seen how that Kevin Conroy Batman acts. You've seen justice league doom. You've seen uh, a lot of these things. And if, (laughs) if the Joker would have raped Barbara Gordon, giving everything, you know, now he's not going to go in there trying to have a conversation with the Joker. It's just, there's that. And this wasn't as clever of a Batman, I guess would be the big thing. Um, just from a verbal perspective, from a tactical perspective, he just wasn't as clever. So it was, uh, I won't say dumbed down, just that it was, it was 
by the end, it became apparent it clearly was a different Batman than what you were accustomed to with that voice actor, but, eh. Because you it take a look snarling. at, you take a look at, say, The Dark Knight Returns, and how Andrew and I talked last week how we felt that Batman himself seemed uh, very tactical and very, uh, to the point non-human and almost irresponsive like how he put that girl in all that jeopardy and didn't really even care if she lived or died in comparison to this where he underreacted in this film like i felt like he would have been angry in this film and he just he didn't show much any anger in this yeah there was a lot that he should have like he should have been angry and he should have done more and he just seemed like he just like even after what happened to Barbara rape or no rape whatever you want to look at it as um, either way she's paralyzed and it was Batgirl he regardless he should be pissed and he should have but when he went there like confront Joker it seems like it was just another day at the office like he, he wasn't acting any differently or out of like he was exactly the same as he always was. I don't know. Well, take a look at Batman and Mask of the Phantasm when he has the final show off with the Joker. The Joker is practically the one who ruined Batman's chance of having true happiness, essentially, because of how she murdered, how he murdered Andrea Beaumont's father. And that that is what turned her into the Phantasm, which then now Bruce and her will never be able to live happily ever after, blah, blah, blah. And that's how he became Batman. So in a sense, the Joker is Batman's origin story. And the Joker, or Batman, is Joker's origin story, which I think they did a great job with that in Mask of the Phantasm. But the, at least in the Bruce Timverse, indirectly, he's the reason why he became Batman. So even in that scene, Batman was doing whatever it took to stop the Joker. He wasn't going to kill him because that's he still he still hasn't got to that point yet. But like he was going to do whatever it took. He wasn't going to have a conversation with this guy. Like even when Joker was on that little rocket and was escaping the the amusement park, Batman was willing to have them both go down in that explosion then let Joker get away. And mm-hmm. This version was just weird because he just—he's been Batman for a long time, and Joker just did the the worst thing you possibly could do, other than murdering Jason Todd, which I don't know if he's done yet at this point. And you have—he's—you're just gonna want to have a conversation and rehabilitate this guy. That's that's long gone. Yeah, I and and his whole like whatever his whole like forced moral thing, whatever, which wasn't even a moral thing where he was like, we have to have a conversation. So I know that I tried before I murder you or one of you murder me, whatever, like that whole thing, just, it did feel Batman-y. Right. And I think that's why I'm not a big fan of the killing joke. Like uh, it's a good story for what it is. Like it's a good concept and a good idea. But as a Joker story, but the way how Batman, unless this entire story is written from Joker's perspective, which could be interesting if that's how they're, that's what, what the intent was. But the, um, 
the way how Batman's written in the story, he just doesn't come off as Batman. Mm-hmm. This comes off as well, this is what Batman would try to do with Two Face, you know, someone that used to be a good guy who went bad because of a mental disorder. Like I could see him wanting to like rehabilitate Two Face because there there might be some good left in there somewhere. But like, and he used to be his best friend. But the Joker, this is the guy who, you know, might have raped Barbara Gordon, depending on how you interpret it. And regardless, he implied it, which I think would have pissed him right, off. Right, he just definitely equally. implied regardless it. Regardless, it was implied. Like no matter how right. you feel yeah. about it, if it happened or not, it was it was implied and then some. Yes. So I mean, yep. Yeah. Yes, I just feel like this is not the this is not the way that Batman would react. The Dark Knight Returns reacting to the Joker is much more realistic, where he'd show up there and just throw a battering in his eye right away. Yeah, like, that's what he did in the Dark Knight Returns. And Joker's like, "Are you insane?" <laughs> like you're gonna do that now right now like we're not even gonna have a conversation you're just gonna throw a battering in my eye like, yeah like that that's the reaction you you expect out of batman like you push it like in like the, in that movie he pushed him over the edge basically and i feel like this was i don't know i feel like this was worse like this should have pushed him farther than he's gone before but it just i don't know do you I guess think it's just the, i don't know possibly a lack of reaction would have been because batman knew it was his cry for help that he was crying out not that he was just doing this all for the attention of of batman really but more so just an outright cry for help that's the only way you could justify batman's actions in this for not being more like aggressive and violent towards him, if he just recognizes that, oh, okay, okay, he needs me. That's what this is. That's the only way I could read into it where it would actually make sense. But this is just Batman's midlife crisis. I will say I do like when uh, Joker and Batman do kind of have like a moment together where it's like they're almost having like a real conversation. I did like that. But I Are felt like in the very end, yeah, where they actually yes. have an actual, like a real conversation that's not a joke. That's not a, well, literally, he did tell a joke, but it, the the idea behind it, like he, Batman asked him an actual question, and the Joker actually responded like a normal person, like he answered the question. He didn't try to try to buzz him. He didn't try to fuck with him. He actually answered the question. I did like when Joker even said, like, after he shot the bang, the bang gun or whatever, and he's like, okay, what do you wait? He's like, kick the shit out of me and get your standing ovation. <laughs> and yeah, yeah. I, I think Rob might be onto something where maybe it was kind of a cry for help, but Jesus Christ, he, <laughs> he fucking... Meta, he might have. He implied that he raped somebody, even if he didn't. But he might have. Now, you could go a step further and say that Joker knew that there was a line that he crossed, that there was no uncrossing, and this was going to lead to his death. So you could look at it like this was a cry for help. Batman knew what he had to do all along going into this, so he kind of played with kid gloves 
and then at the end, what happened happened. Like, I mean, that, I guess if you look at it as a whole, that would be the most logical, like, okay, well, you know what you did, and now you know what I have to do, so we'll just kind of go through the motions, but not really, because you know how this is going to end. Because, realistically, Batman always holds back with the Joker. I mean, that's just, that's the nature of their relationship. They hold back with one another. The Joker never goes quite as far as he needs, he could go to really fuck with Batman. Batman I don't know, he killed really Jason Todd. As, yeah, but uh, fuck Jason Todd. And Jason Todd wasn't really dead. He kind of sort of came back and stuff, and everything yeah, was all good. Yeah, but it's not like that was part of Joker's plan. But He beat him to death with a crowbar and then blew him up in a warehouse. Yeah, but he had that coming. Did he? <laughs> I, <don't know>. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I mean, it that be, it might be worse. almost be, be worse. Mass. He could fall into a gas truck. Right. <laughs> I, I I mean I feel like when they when they did the death of the family and they sh- they had all those different alternate uh things with the black mask it's, I felt like the the writers were just like they just thought it, they were just trying to pop each other and who come up with the most creative way to kill black yes. mask <laughs> cuz he dies in every story except for the original Being spiked but, into a gas truck. <laughs> that was the best one. He gets blown out of his own building while, while on fire into a gas truck. Like, that is overkill. <laughs> yeah. How did, you, how did you feel about the Joker flashback history things? Uh, I I don't know I I really they felt very much out of place and I just hated the whole thing of his supposed backstory that may or may not be true. Oh, his setup with his like wife or whatever. Yeah, his wife, and he was just a poor magician or whatever, and like I don't know, it was weird. It just felt so out of place. Like they were trying to garner sympathy for Joker. Well, yeah, that's the whole like, point because up to this point, Joker never had a backstory at all. Well, beyond the very short one you knew going directly into how he became the Joker. Right. We all like, know he fell into yeah. a vat of chemicals, but we never knew how we got yeah. at that point. Mm-hmm. And the the Michael Keaton Batman movie hadn't even come out yet when this comic was published. So the whole him being a, a former gangster, that sto- backstory hadn't started yet. Or in the Bruce Tim version where he worked for... Uh, the um, Salvador Valestra gang as just a as a hitman for the mob that that part wasn't a backstory yet either so the thing I've always liked about Joker's backstory is it's always different and you don't know which one to believe and that's why I like when Joker even says he likes to have multiple choice for his uh, his backstory so this isn't really a true backstory it's just a version that he's going to use for this excessive moment, I guess, or this specific moment. I don't know. I thought the story itself was fine. Um, it reads a lot better than it translates on film. I'll say that. Yeah. Much. Like when you're reading it, you actually, you feel something where um, watching it, it comes off, like I said, very robotic. And it doesn't seem as out of place in a comic either, just because of right. the nature of a comic versus a movie. Yes. Yeah. Right. Because when you read a comic, you read it at your own pace. 
So like, it, you know, when I was, when I read the killing joke, it took me a while to get through it because I'm looking at everything where a movie, it just keeps continuing moving on. And the killing joke, uh, the, the actual, the comic itself, the Jim Gordon actually shows dong in it. So, I mean, like you got that going for you. They didn't show that in the movie. I was a little disappointed in that. Thought of course they were you were. Ac- I thought yeah, they were going to be accurate. Ass. I thought they were going to be accurate. When the little midget things were beating the shit out of them, you got to see that. So there you yeah, go. Yeah, I guess. Whatever those things are. <laughs> but. So what did when he bought this circus? Did he just inherit all the circus freaks? Did they just just become his minions? I don't know. <laughs> Did he just purchase I mean, them along with the property? Like, how does how does that they work? They were slaves of the circus itself. So if you purchase it, you get it slaves. Yes. Hmm. All right then. That's that's good to know. Well, it's just weird because we did the Dark Knight Returns uh, last week, and that was all the whole Joker standoff was at a carnival, essentially, or a big fair, and mm-hmm. yeah. the Killing Joke. Is kind of the same thing. So I wonder if that's supposed to be related. I mean, they're both 80s stories. Right. They're both and they're written, written by different much people. at the same time. Yeah, by different people. Because mm-hmm. Frank Miller did The Dark Knight Returns and Alan Moore did Killing Joke. Carnivals were just a big thing back then. Right. And in The Mask of the Phantasm, that was at like a futuristic fairground too. I think the Joker just likes fairgrounds. Yeah. You get all those you get all the big set pieces to play with when you have a set in a circus or a fairgrounds. Yeah. And you also have that built in hall of mirrors because there always has to be a chase through a hall of mirrors because that's how yes. that works. You wanna know what's interesting is you brought up the Dark Knight Returns and considering these are that was an eighties story and you have an eighties story in this one. Can you guys still hear me? My yeah, yeah, yeah. Whoa, echo. Did I cut out? No. I hear you now. Oh, okay, perfect. Um, I was going to say, they're, they're both 80 stories, but you have this one, The Killing Joke, that shies away from being at 80s. Like, they, they purposefully updated different things within, within it to take away from the fact that it was in the 80s. Because if you read the comic, it looks like it was set in the 80s obviously but in the dark knight returns the movie adaptation of it they completely embrace the 80s and then some yeah so yeah because i mean i believe you still have president reagan in there if i'm not mistaken because he's giving orders to superman in that one and it's president reagan so they're they're embracing the fact that they're in like a quasi-futuristic version of the 80s so they they could have you know taken the time to modernize it yeah you could have taken yeah i guess you would have been sacrificing the whole the Soviet aspect of it, but it's just interesting that they they went to such a length to modernize this one and bring it into current times and kind of left a much bigger story in its time in the eighties. But uh, and I feel like they even they even half-assed that job for modernizing it. Like there was a lot of things that still felt dated that they could have easily modernized. Yeah, they they could have they could have definitely picked up a little bit more. I agree with you. I agree. Because if they were going to do it, it they should have at least... Yeah, if they were going to do it, they should have at least fully done it instead of only partially doing it. 
Well, and that goes back to your whole scrapbooking thing that you were talking about. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. And the dialogue. Yeah, throw, the dialogue was a little bit stiff. Throw the book yeah. at him. Throw the book at him. Nope. Nobody says that anymore. What is your problem with the book? It, it's so dated. It, I don't know. They need it to just, slice and dice the book. Well, the slice and dice was 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 the charm of that movie because it like to me all those uh, mutant characters were like Pokemon <laughs> and all they would so say so freaking like, corny. Yeah, it, that that's the charm of it. But like Ooh, slice and dice. I don't know. Maybe I'm just used to different versions of Jim Gordon and him not being as throw the book. I'll throw the book at him. You're 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 the commissioner. Like you're not actually you're not the district attorney. So what are you actually doing? Like, <laughs> but um, I don't know. Throw the book at him, and he literally threw a book. It was. Uh, well, it doesn't. It doesn't come off that bad as you read it because it's something like a comic book character would say. But I really wish they would have just eliminated that line and just replaced it with something else. So we can agree, at least two of us can agree, who have uh, read the comic, that it is a much, much, much stronger comic than it is a movie, just because of the nature of the story. Like that's that's undeniable. Yes. It's yes. it's undeniable. Uh, it it it's not one that translated very well, and part of that, a, a huge part of that, is just due to it being such a short story. There just wasn't enough source material. That is the biggest issue with it. To make that into a movie, like obviously everyone wanted it, but you're taking something with such limited source material, and you're trying to like make something out of it that it really couldn't be. It was a short story comic to begin with. This wasn't a long multi-part comic this wasn't part of a series this wasn't anything like this was this was a very short comic to begin with it was just a short story this was a one-off and for them to turn it into a movie probably in retrospect wasn't the best idea but i i don't know it was it was about as good as of an adaption of a comic to a movie as you could make with the limited source material because i think a lot of the stuff that we're even complaining about wouldn't have happened had you had more source material to kind of pull from because you could have avoided some of the awkwardness. You could have you could have cut out some of the awkward scenes, the scenes that wouldn't have been quite fitting. But since they were kind of forced to use everything they had in this movie, you were left with all the weird stuff. They couldn't make the decisions like they made in other ones like Red Hood or any of the other ones where they were able to like, okay, well, that won't really fit in a movie. We're going to chop that. That won't really fit. We'll chop that. They had to use everything. Which then just brings up the question of like, why did they really feel they needed to force this through? Because it was such a fan favorite movie. Or it was sorry, a fan comic. favorite comic. It was such a fan, was. fan favorite comic that they they felt like th- there was a there was a there was a contingent of fans who were asking for it, and then because this they they could republish this comic nine hundred times and have how many editions of this comic, and it will just keep on selling and selling and selling. So if you're DC and you're looking at it like that like damn I mean look at the money we're making off of this you know 30 years later what else can we do with it well that's what they did and it sold the movie itself sold I mean hell that's still one we're carrying at Walmart so I mean you know it's still yeah and it's on uh, it's on Netflix too it's one of the only ones that's on Netflix not on HBO Max though which I found kind of weird 
that oh, the killing joke's not on HBO Max. I wonder it's if like, it's a licensing thing of some sort. It's gotta be because I was oh. looking for it on HBO Max. I'm like, you gotta be kidding me! I don't have the movie. So then I googled it and I found it on Netflix. Yeah, because I feel like like a lot of the movies things they can only exist on one platform at a time just because of deals and stuff like that. So it's probably yep. as soon as it expires on Netflix, whenever that may be, it'll be it'll go straight to HBO. I'm sure. Yeah. Considering the DC streaming service is done. Mm-hmm. Oh, did they actually cut it now? Like completely? Yeah, you can't. There's no... Like if you're trying to access it from a, a device, it's gone. But Ooh, the, but you can get it on your phone still uh, for the comics only. But they moved everything to HBO Max. Makes sense. Yeah, I guess it, it kind of sucks because I bought the year subscription for it, and but I guess I have HBO Max, so it doesn't really matter. But the um, but yeah, I for the most part, I feel like overall the Killing Joke to me probably would have been better if they almost just did it as a a one-off episode, maybe even in the animated series or something, maybe not the animated series, but like something like that where they maybe in beware the Batman, they could have done something similar to that or if they ever decided to do that. But I think it would have been better if it was shorter than trying to make it longer and flushing it out. Like maybe if it was only a half hour and they could have cut some things and made it more impactful. Like this would have almost had to have been like a compilation of three short stories, kind of as they did a uh, they did a Batman one like that back in I want to say like 2008 or 2009, where yeah, they released Arkham it Knight. like as three short yeah, where they released it was like three short stories all by like different writers or a slightly different animation or whatever. I think this could have been part of that. This could have been like the feature of a set like that. Yeah, and it would have made a lot of sense, but yeah, this this wasn't. This wasn't, it wasn't, it was not good. It wasn't bad either. Like, it right. was just very, and that's kind of, yeah. that's kind of where I stand with it. Like, is it, is this the, the best DC animated movie out there? Absolutely not. Is it the worst? Not at all. It's kind of just falls in the middle of the pack. Um, my problems with it aren't the same reason why other people dislike it. Other people dislike the Batgirl story, which I thought was a strong part of this entire uh, this entire movie in general. So I don't know. That's that. My, that's my opinion. I thought the Batgirl story was actually very good and could have been better if they if that was longer. The Killing Joke to me came off slightly robotic and it didn't feel like a movie. It felt like I was watching a graphic novel. That I don't know. I mean, the animation was fine everything like that but the only thing they seemed to add was the musical number which there was an implied musical number in the comic yes yep yep we they didn't have it like word for word i don't think he actually said i go loony or anything like that but well they just showed musical notes right he was singing and the graphic novel was much more graphic no pun intended with that but like they actually showed you like disturbing pictures of Barbara and shit. And Which were... I feel like maybe I'm taking too much of that into the animated one. 
Um, because there's no question he was she was raped if you read the comic. But right again, like I said, it's implied. Um, I, I wasn't sure what because like that's the thing that I like about it is it's up for debate. Just like the ending of it, does he kill the Joker? And in the comic, it's really it's really left up for debate. In the movie, it really looks like he kills him. Mm-hmm. Because you don't hear him laughing anymore. But then again, who knows? That could have just been Joker being freaked out that Batman's laughing and he just stopped laughing. I don't know. But if you're looking at it from another perspective, so in Under the Red Hood, um, Joker actually references the killing joke. So the killing joke happened uh, before the Red Hood movie did. Like in the in the storyline continuity and how the way how it works, because in the Death in the Family uh, movie, they when they go through all the weird alternate things that could happen by because you can kind of choose your paths and everything. Um, there's a story where uh, Jason Todd's at a diner and Joker sits next to him, but you don't know it's the Joker until he starts telling you a joke. And it happens to be the same joke that he told in the killing joke. Mm. And that's when Jason found out that that was the Joker. So. Like I said, there's a lot of cool things uh, with death in the family and how they kind of tie it into the killing joke. And honestly, I think next week we probably should do under the red hood and death in the family as kind of a together. So, Andrew, I don't know if you're down for that, but that's kind of my suggestion, what we should do next week. We'll, we'll see. I'm not sure. <laughs> okay. But I don't want to use up all the good movies now, man. we got, we got to spread out the good movies. Oh, there's plenty of them. But, uh, <laughs> just throw Justice League Dark in next week, and you're good to go. That one will... Well, no, it's just because it's all tied, <laughs> it's all tied together. So, because we had, we did Dark Knight Returns, The Killing Joke, which are the two most iconic comics that most of the live action movies are based off of. And then you have Under the Red Hood, which is kind of like what, it's the most popular animated film that's been made so far, for the most part. But we, there's plenty we have, we haven't done Return of the Joker yet, which we'll save that for when we get more into the Batman Beyond shit. But like... There's plenty of movies left, but I really feel like Death in the Family, we can't do a whole podcast on Death in the Family just because it's only like literally a 40 minute, maybe a 40 minute movie, depending on how many different endings you want to talk about. But the it's not because I have my issues with it, but I want to just it ties it ties in with the Red Hood because you watch the Red Hood and then Death in the Family is alternate versions of the red hood okay so it's almost kind of like the same thing or i could just do death in the family but you we haven't done red hood yet so yeah but i mean and then we and because we still have the christopher nolan movies we haven't done yet so mm-hmm. and those anyway, for the most part we'll, are all we'll good. figure it out right we'll figure it out yeah so if you've listened this long, you now you're getting to the 
conversational part that's not supposed to be in the pod, but it will be because uh, the rambling end part where we're just having conversations that should not be in here. <laughs> yeah. But um, anything else you guys want to add to the killing joke? Not really. I just want to say thanks for having me on. Yeah, you can jo- you can be on the show anytime you want, man. Yes. Open door. I can open door the show. It's an open door policy. Yeah. Nice. All right. But with that, I'm Andrew Crotchy alongside Andrew Quimby. Robert and, Roth. Oh, there we go. And uh, we'll be back next week with uh, Under the Red Hood. When the world is full of care and every headlight screams despair, when all is rape, starvation, war, and life is vile. Then there's a certain thing I do Which I shall pass along to you That's always guaranteed to make me smile Yes! I go gloomy As a light bulb battered bug Simply loony Sometimes fold and chew the rug Mr. Life is swell in a padded cell It'll chase those blues away You can trade your gloom for a rubber room And injections twice a day Just go loony like an acid casualty Or a moony or a preacher on TV <laughs> When the human race has an anxious face when the bomb hangs overhead when your kid turns blue it won't worry you you can smile and nod instead when you're loony then you just don't give a fig man so puny and the universe so big if you heard no. inside, get certified, no. and if life should treat you bad, don't get no. in there.